Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We are going to talk about food tonight. So I, I, hope, I hope that you ate dinner already. Otherwise, this conversation might be a little bit difficult for you. I was thinking about how to open a sermon about food, and I thought the best way would be, would be to talk about what I ate last night. And it was really good. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what I ate last night. So Mandy's parents are in town, uh, and Mandy's dad is like a really great hunter, fisherman, gatherer kind of person, and so we were celebrating some of those things last night because they were at our house for dinner. So Mandy, she made this lingcod fish that was caught somewhere off the coast of Seattle, and it was just great. And you may not like fish, but I'm telling you, when she pan fried that in like a half gallon of butter. <laughs> and then we also had elk. If you've never had elk before, elk is really fantastic. It's a very lean meat. And so it can get a little dry. So what she did that was brilliant is she actually uh, did it in like a, a crock pot two days earlier. So for two days, that elk's just like hanging out in the fridge like a kid on Christmas morning just waiting. <laughs> or just waiting for like the right moment for this beautiful like medium well elk roast. It was so good. She roasted some uh, Brussels sprouts, just olive oil, salt and pepper. So well done. It's like a green salad. We had salad with some of the blackberries that were on sale at Myers last week. Which brings me to one of my favorite verses from the Bible. I love this verse. If I ever end up selling stuff on Etsy, I'm going to sell an apron with this verse on it. And it'll look something like this. It says, Genesis 9-3, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. And if you are a vegetarian in this room, I respect you. You are welcome in this house of worship. But God said, <laughs> Genesis 9, this is actually just right when Noah has come off the boat with his family. And there's the promise of the first rainbow, and then there's this other promise that God gives Noah. And he says, look at all the creatures. Don't they look delicious? I'm giving them all to you for you to take care of this world and eat, eat well. We are people who need food to survive, but we need to be people who eat and people who eat together. On average, Americans eat one in every five meals in a car which is not good for your health or the smell of your car. 25% of Americans eat one fast food meal every day. And I had Culver's for dinner, so I'm not being judgy. Uh, the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse did a study of kids who eat at least five meals a week with their parents. So if you're a parent in the room, think about during the school year about how many meals in a week your kid eats with you. So kids who eat at least five meals a week with their parents, those kids are less likely to have trouble with drugs and alcohol, less likely to be overweight, less likely to drop out of school, and more likely to be emotionally close to their parents. So yes... 
you should be eating together, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're going to talk about the meals you should not eat. We're going to go through a little 20-minute scavenger hunt through the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look for the meals that we should not be eating. So the book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings. It was actually its own little form of literature known as wisdom literature. The way that something would become a proverb is that it was shared by someone, and the way that it would float to the top as the most popular proverb or a proverb that might be included in your Bible is not because there was one author who decided what was in or out, is because they rose to the top through practice. These are things that were shared in lectures with a teacher, but they were shared in dining room tables and things that you would share in conversation when your son came to ask you advice or when you were trying to decide what to do about which person to marry or about how to invest with your business. And these these pieces of advice would kind of move around the culture and the ones that were the most well-known, the ones that would kind of rise to the top are the ones that ended up in our book of Proverbs. So the majority of them were written by King Solomon, but there's other authors kind of floating around here that then allowed these sayings, these short Proverbs, to be part of our Bible. And God says, being wise is a good thing. Being wise is something that is worth pursuing. It's interesting, the word wisdom for us in the English language, we really kind of think of wisdom as being kind of this mind thing. You know, we think about it being a a knowledge thing, something that is more internal than external. But the Hebrew word for wisdom doesn't work that way. In the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew language, the word they're using here for wisdom is something that is a tying together of thought and of actions. So Wisdom is applied knowledge. It is not enough just to keep it in your brain. It's not just the smart guy teaching a class. It is the smart guy living out these actions. So when in Hebrew culture you would look at someone and say they're wise, you're not saying they say wise things. You are saying they live wisely. And it is a a worthy thing for us to go after living wisely wisely. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's a collection of things teaching us how to live wisely. And so we're going to go through hunting tonight and find the five meals you should not be eating this summer. And the first one we're going to find is in Proverbs chapter 4. 4 verses 14 through 17 says this, don't do as the wicked do. And don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The first meal we're going to talk about not eating tonight is the meal of the wicked. So wicked is not a word that that we use very often. If I asked you to name a a famous character from a a movie that was wicked, I think we could kind of easily land on, you know, certain Disney witches or things like this. I mean, like the, the, the Wicked Witch of the West, like wicked's literally part of her name. So it was kind of easy. And I think when we think about things or people or characters that are wicked, we have kind of a mindset for what that would look like. Um, I think if you made a definition of the word wicked from a cultural standpoint, you might land up with something like this, that wickedness is the quality of being evil in the complete absence of good. And if you think about those Disney characters that you would have grown up with, 
and what made them a wicked stepmother or a wicked witch was that they had the quality of being evil and the, in the complete absence of good. There was no good. They were a one-dimensional character where everything was just evil. But it's interesting that the way that Scripture would push against this, there's also ways that our culture is kind of pushed against this. If you think about the movies that have come out recently with like Maleficent or with Cruella de Vil, that they've kind of like questioned this. Like, is someone really 100% evil? Like, is it that clean a cut to say, oh, well, you're wicked, so you are 100% evil. There's no ounce of good in you. There is no excuse. You are an unredeemable character, and we've kind of like moved around this, and I think that it is a, a fair reflection of what God's trying to tell us when he's thinking about the label of wicked. If I say don't eat a meal with a wicked person, well, who's falling into that category? I think if we shifted this definition, I'm going to change two words in it to be a more biblically represented definition. It's going to look like this. Wickedness is the quality of being evil in the complete absence of of a repentant heart. I think in a scriptural sense, wickedness is not about evil or good. The question is repentant or unrepentant. And in the Bible, people with a repentant heart, people who sin and then turn towards God, those people are called good. If you are a person in the room who has turned your sin over to God, who has confessed sin, who has repented of evil or wickedness that is inside all of us, then God would label you good. And then people who sin and have no remorse, people who do evil and keep on doing evil, are given the label wicked. It's easy to categorize someone with the name Cruella de Vil as wicked. It's much more difficult to categorize a guy that you work with or uh, a girl that you try and keep in touch with from college as wicked. But this is how the Bible defines them. This is how the Bible separates the godly and the ungodly, the good and the wicked. It's not a question of perfect or imperfect. It's a question of repentant and unrepentant. And so Proverbs tells us that we should not eat the meal of the wicked. We should not eat the meal of the unrepentant sinner. Now you may say, okay, Dan, hold on a second. Um, what about Jesus? You know, didn't Jesus eat with sinners? Didn't he eat with tax collectors and people who were unrepentant, people who were wicked? And so yes, yes, he did. But I want to think about it this way. Jesus spent time at the table of the wicked up to the level of his spiritual maturity. Jesus spent time at the table of the wicked up to the level of of his spiritual maturity, which what was the level of his spiritual maturity? Well, it was the highest. You know, how strong was his spiritual health? Well, it was the strongest. That Jesus was able to spend a lot of time with people who were wicked sinners and not be influenced by them, not be swayed, not be talked out of his convictions because he was so spiritually strong. And yet, even Jesus, if you look through scripture and see where he spent his time, he's still spending a lot of his time with disciples and with his followers sitting at their table, sitting at a place that would be encouraging, sitting at a place where he would be surrounded with like-minded people. And so if I begin to look at the balance that Jesus had and I begin to think about my life and what my balance should look like myself, I have to also factor in my own spiritual maturity. 
I know I've got people in this room who are very spiritually mature, who could spend a lot of time at the table of wicked sinners, of unrepentant sinners, and not be influenced. But I also have people in this room who are young Christians, people who are new to the faith, people who may be going through a season of testing, and it would be very unwise to spend a lot of time at the table of the wicked. And that's what he's cautioning us against here. I would say that it is very unwise to overestimate your spiritual strength. And this can work out this way, you know, men in the room to say things like, oh, babe, it's not a big deal. Just the guys go out to get a drink. It's on Fridays. It's just kind of how we wind down after work. And we're just going to hang out. It's, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, do this. And it, this restaurant's a little questionable. But, you know, we're just, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I'm fine, I'm still with you, but, but I, I just, I just want to go do this one thing. You know, women, it could be, man, I just haven't seen these girls for a while, and I want to catch up with them, and, and it's at this, this, this restaurant, and, you know, they, they talk about things that I probably shouldn't do that and share some stuff that, you know, is ungodly, but, but it's just this one thing, it's not this big deal, and we can overestimate our spiritual strength, and Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, don't share the meal of the unrepentant sinner. And that's a tough one. We're all people in this room who have people that we love who are not in Christ, of people who fall into that category. And drawing relational separation from them can be a really tough thing to figure out. And my, my challenge you tonight would be to talk to God about it, would be to have that conversation with the Holy Spirit, allow him to give you wisdom on the times when you go, I am being an influencer in this relationship and I need to stay here. And then the times to say, this is a meal I need to turn down. This is a meal I need to walk away from. This is a meal I need to pass on. Uh, My son Grayson had a a baseball game on Monday night and it was like 32 degrees outside. And and so we got in the car on the way home and it was just me and him. And, And he goes, Dad... He speaks like Napoleon Dynamite sometimes. Dad, <laughs> sometimes it's just really rough being a Christian. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what's going on, man? He goes, well, just a, a lot of my teammates on my baseball team use, use bad words. And uh, a few of the ones he named was, just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and so we kind of went through the list and talked about, you know, there was a couple that he wasn't sure what they meant. You know, so we had this, this conversation about that and explained, you know, again, like why we don't use those words. And this kind of feeling that he's feeling as an 11-year-old that's like, there's these kids that I like and I want to be part of their life. I believe that I can be light in their world. And then there are going to be certain spaces where I, I'm going to need my church friends. I'm going to need to go hang out at someone's house who's going to encourage me, someone who's going to point me towards Christ. I, I want to give you my love and my blessing as you try to seek that out. It's not something that has an easy answer to it. Those are some kind of complicated relational questions. Um, But I encourage you to seek after the Holy Spirit in making those decisions and know the times that you need to step back. Proverbs 23, verse 6 through 8 says this, Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You will throw up what little you've eaten, and your compliments will be wasted. The second meal I want us to avoid this summer is the meal of the selfish. 
And by this, I mean any meal with strings attached to it. Food is a motivator. If you tell me there are donuts in the break room, I will be motivated to go get one. But because food is a motivator, it can also be a manipulator, a tool that people can use to get what they want. It's like when someone invites you to their house for an awesome party and they, they feed you delicious food and then they spend 30 minutes trying to sell you Tupperware. Did you know that, uh, so it's called direct sales, right? When, and if someone in the room is involved in direct sales, you are blessed if you believe in your product and you believe that it's fairly priced, keep doing what you're doing. That Tupperware is still the top 16th direct sales company in the world. Isn't that kind of crazy? So I got on their website today, and uh, <laughs> this is on their website uh, at, at Tupperware.com. It says, it's called a party for a reason. I know you can't see it, but I'm reading it to you. Cooking tips, creative recipes, free products, and time to chill with your favorite people. Now that's something to celebrate. So they have two things I really disagree with here. One of them, one of them is my favorite people are people who don't sell me Tupperware. And then secondly, I've never been in a large group of people and thought, you know what would make this a party? If someone was selling Tupperware. <laughs> When someone invites you to dinner, a generous heart should always be the appetizer. One of the joys of sharing a table with someone is an open heart that says, come, sit with me, eat with me. Let me share with you the good things that God has placed in my heart. Let me share the provisions that he has given to my kitchen and to my table. And I want to set a table that is a generous table. When you walk into any meal, and you begin to see that you're going to sit down with a selfish person, with a person who is using this opportunity to get something, that's a table to pass on. That's a table to walk away from. Proverbs 23, verse 1 through 3 says this, While dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is put before you. If you are a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Don't desire all the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. The third meal I want us to avoid this summer is the meal of the powerful. One of my favorite meals I've ever had was on a cruise ship. Like four or five years ago, we saved up a bunch of money and we were able to go on a cruise, um, which is really fun. I think when I was a kid, I always viewed cruises as something that you had to be like super, super rich to do. And if you like have a good friend who can help you find the deals and go in off season, you can do it for like regular people money. And so we're regular kind of people. And so we'd saved up money. We went on this cruise. And we got to take our whole family with us, which was really fun. And if you've never been on a cruise before, there's this one night they usually do. And you can't, they won't tell you when it's going to be. So you just have to be there every night just in case it's the night. And it's, it's lobster night. And so um, I, I like seafood. But then I always like exploring things with my children. And so we have four kids. And one of them is an adventurous eater. His name is Ryder. He's our second born. He's adventurous in a lot of other ways, but specifically eating. So he's the kid who's going to try everything. And this is several years back. So he's like five or six. I think he ate three lobster tails that night. And we had to like cut them off. Because it's not, I mean, free is not the right word. It's included. And so you can just keep getting as much as you want to get. And so he's going through this and just like, like it's this like lightning from heaven moment of, I'm a lobster lover. This is who God has designed me to be, to eat as much lobster as possible in a lifetime. So we get back on shore and start living our lives again. And um, we realized we had made a mistake because now like every restaurant we go to that serves seafood, Ryder's always like, lobster. And we have to explain to him that we are not those people. 
<laughs> we, are, we are not $30 lobster tail people. We are free lobster on a cruise ship people. And that's not going to happen very often. All of us have people in our lives who have more than we have. We have people that we work with or people in our family who have more. They have more authority. They have more money. They have more resources. They have more power. And Proverbs cautions us that you should have a specific attitude when you sit down to have a meal with a powerful person. Now, in many occasions, sitting down for a meal with a powerful person can be a fantastic day in your life. There's times where when you sit down to a meal with a powerful person, this might end up in a generous offering towards you. It might end up in a raise. It might end up in a new job opportunity for you. But the warning of Proverbs is that when you sit down to that table, you need to be cautious. And this is not a moment for you to overeat or to be obsessed with what you're seeing or to be dragged away and enticed. If you sit down to have a meal with a powerful person, you want to be in your right mind. You want to be godly. You want to have acute thoughts and be fully present with what's happening because you will lose yourself if you become obsessed with power, if you become captivated by the lobster tail and you miss being connected with your heavenly father in that moment, we should be careful when we sit down to have the meal with the powerful. Proverbs 7, verse 7 through 9 says this, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The fourth meal I want us to avoid this summer is the meal of the immoral. Um, this this chapter is kind of long, and so I'm going to paraphrase what happens next. What happens next, it is this kind of PG-13 uh, storyline here. The Bible tells us that her, her feet never stay at home. She has crafty intent. The Bible says that she, she says, my husband is not home. I've covered my bed with colored linens and perfume. Let's drink deeply of love until morning. And then you'll never guess what she does next. She offers him food. She says, and my, my kitchen is full of food. Come in and let's have a meal. And Proverbs says, do not share a meal with the immoral. It's one of the traps, I think, a lot of times in our storytelling, depending on what culture you come from, we can either be overly scolding to one gender or the other. We can either land in and say, oh, it's that, it's that immoral woman. You know, she's the one trying to get out in the streets and trap people. Or we can say, you know, it, it's those men, those aggressive men that are coming in and, and preying on women. And if you look at the math of it, all affairs, it's about 50-50, right? <laughs> Is that it takes the same amount of men as it takes women to drift into sin. And when you look at what this man did, it's almost like the last step, this is the step that we have the most forgiveness for, it's all the steps before him that he just missed, that he just wasn't paying attention, that he didn't see. So where was he? Well, he was out at night. Should he have been out at night? He shouldn't have been out at night. Where was he at? Well, he was in the area of town where she went walking every night. He knew she was going to be there. He's drifting out into a place that he knew he should not have been. And then what does he do? He's talking to her. Should he have been talking to her? He shouldn't have been talking to her. And then she says, let's just have a meal. Should he sat down and had a meal with her? He should not have sat down 
and had a meal with her. I think every single one of us has open paths of temptation in our life. There are roads that you could take. There is no person that is too godly or ungodly to not have a path, an off-ramp from the holiness path that you are on now that can lead towards sin. Part of having a devoted relationship towards God is having a daily commitment to not take that path. It is a renewed strength every day to wake up and say, God is my focus. God is my priority. And the people he has given into me in my life are worth living righteously for. I want to be a person of applied knowledge, and I want to stay focused on the path. And the warning of Proverbs says, do not have a meal with the immoral. I think there's people in this room who might be thinking of someone right now that they have in their social circle, someone a connection that might be someone that you work with, that might be someone on, on social media, that you, you need to cut that out. It needs to be cut off and separate because those places are small steps that lead to big problems and lead to life-changing, relationship-ruining problems. And if we could just wind it all back and not take the first step, you're going to find yourself in a much better place. You're going to find yourself in a godly place with godly relationships and godly choices. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, it's not me. I'm just a person. It's the Spirit of God speaking to you right now. Be brave. Make those changes in your life. Step back. Remove yourself from the conversation, and you're going to find a path towards righteousness is much clearer and better and healthier and makes you the person that God's designed you to be. Proverbs 23, verse 20 and 21 says, Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty, and too much sleep clothes them in rags. The final meal I want us to avoid this summer is the meal of the glutton. If you think about before 2020, we already kind of lived in like the, like the fast food era you know, where you have the ability to put, like, the least amount of effort into a meal that you don't even have to get out of your car. Like, you can just drive through the drive-thru and, like, yell a number out the window. Four! And then, like, <laughs> a meal shows up that you can eat. And so, like, we were, the, the bar was already really, really low. And then I just think things have gone even lower now through, through the pandemic that now we're in the era of, like, Grubhub and DoorDash, where you literally don't have to leave your couch. Like, you can sit there on your phone and choose any food from any restaurant in town, and magically you're like, oh, I have to get up and open the door? <laughs> like, Lord, how can you ask these things of me? There is a God-designed balance in your eating between consumption and exertion. It is the things that you take in and it is the energy that you put out. If I think about my people in the room who are uh, gardeners or hunters or chefs in the kitchen that understand the work that goes into a meal, that when I prepare a meal, yes, I'm gonna sit at the table and consume, but before I'm consuming, I'm in the kitchen and I'm working or I'm in the garden and I'm working. And for many people in the room who go, well, I, I don't have any interest in 
those things, that, that's perfectly fine. There are other areas of your life that you can exert energy, that when you exert by having a long day's work, when you exert by caring for your children, when you exert by volunteering, that that energy going out, there is a balance that God has made in your life for the things that are going out to be balanced by things that come in. And when there is a healthy balance, not only does that make you a physically healthy person, it also makes you a spiritually healthy person. The off-balance that happens when you look at sharing a table with the meal of the glutton is for a person who has lost that balance and life has become only about the things that come in. So it's no, I'm not going to get off the couch today. I'm just going to focus on the things that are coming in. And you can be a glutton and be thin. You can be a glutton and not eat a lot of food. I can be a glutton of social media. I can be a glutton of Netflix. When my life becomes about only the consuming, and I've lost the balance between consuming and exerting, I'm going to be an off-balance person. The wisdom of Proverbs is not only saying don't be that person, he's also saying don't eat with that person, which seems a little harsh, but I think he's pointing out things that I think if we lean into, we understand to be true, is that that behavior is going to move towards you that when you spend time at a table with someone who lives this way or has those habits, those habits are going to push off with you. I think if you want to be a healthier person, find the healthiest person you know and hang out with them and, and find ways to change your habits and to bring that healthy God-designed balance between the things that come in and the energy that goes out. There is joy in that balance. When, for the, the cooks in the room who know the feeling on Thanksgiving when you have toiled for three days and you've made pies and you've done all of this work and then you get that feeling to sit down at a table, that is a good feeling. That is a God-designed feeling for us to have to balance the things that come out and the things that come in. I want to close tonight by reading one more promise from the book of Proverbs. Is this Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 and 8. He says this, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. This is the joy when we eat together because God is satisfying our needs. This is the reason that we are training our children to pray before every meal because there is something to celebrate when you sit down to the table. There is a joy that should come in the Christian's heart to be able to sit down at a good meal and say, praise you, God, that you have provided for me, that you have given me not just the food, but the people, that you have given me the church, you have given me the health, that I can sit down at this table and say, thank you, God. Thank you that you have been so good and so faithful. I want to close tonight by praying in kind of a unique prayer. I want to pray for your tables, and not necessarily the tables that are in the room right now. I want to pray for the tables that you eat at. And if that's a table that is in your home, maybe that's a, a big table that you're going to share together for Fourth of July weekend with family. Maybe it's a table in your workroom at break room at work, that you sit down and have lunch, a table at your favorite restaurant, I want to pray for the places that you eat at and that God would give you direction and wisdom that as you think about the list we've gone through tonight, the, the meal of the wicked, the meal of the selfish, the meal of the powerful, 
the meal of the immoral and the meal of the glutton, that as we think about our habits, our dining habits, and the places that we probably should step away from, that the Spirit of God would just give us wisdom. And I pray that in the void of the things you step away from, I want to pray that God would bless you and that he would open new avenues for you. I pray that he would open new tables for you, new relationships for you to fill that space with joy and with thanksgiving and with people who will encourage you, people who will lift you up, people who will point you towards Christ, that you would be a person of applied knowledge, that you would live a wise life life. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I, as I look at this room, I'm thinking I've got hundreds of tables represented here. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless their tables. I pray you would bless their kitchens. I want to pray for anyone in the room right now who may be in a time of shortage, someone who is concerned about being able to afford uh, bills for their home or be able to afford groceries for their table. I pray, Lord, that you would be a supernatural provider. I pray, Lord, that you would connect them with loving Christian people to come alongside them and to hold them up in a time of need. I pray, Lord, that you would be with them and that you would be their provider, be, be their rock in a time that may feel um, like they're stuck. I pray that you would help them, Lord. I pray that you would be in our relationships. I think in the conversation of this night, I think there's probably a few of us who have had some, some sparked moments of relationships that we need to step away from, of tables that we should not be sitting at. And I pray that you would give us both the spiritual clarity to know what those are, as well as the spiritual bravery to step away from them. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with joy and contentment. I pray that you would allow us to sit at tables with righteous people. Allow us to be able to have the community of, of faith and encouragement that we'd have, both in, in big, huge places where we're at big parties with lots of people, as well as that you would dine with us in quiet places and at nights at end of long work days where we sit down at a table by ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us there and be our dining companion be with us and allow us to be connected to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.